0: For Paul and Cheryl Chapman, the nightmare began 8 a.m. Sunday, March 15, 1987. Their bedside telephones' incessant ringing roused them from slumber. Paul fumbled for the receiver. On the other end of the line was Mama Somerville of Gwenny's Restaurant, a popular Anchorage diner where Cheryl Chapman and her sister Nancy Newman worked as waitresses. Paul handed his wife the phone. Somerville apologized for waking them, but she was seriously concerned. Nancy was two hours late for work, and her car was still parked in the same spot as it was the previous Friday evening. Panic immediately seized Cheryl Chapman. Her sister, the married mother of two young girls, would never go without her car for two days, and she was never, ever late for work. The couple leapt from bed, quickly dressed, grabbed a Pepsi from the refrigerator, and took off for Nancy Newman's apartment. Cheryl remembered to take her cigarettes, Benson and Hedges' ultralight menthols. Paul left his viceroys on the nightstand. As her husband piloted their little red and pickup over Anchorage's Frosty Boulevards to Newman's Id Street apartment, Cheryl's apprehension increased at every intersection. Her sister's husband, John, was in California. Nancy and the kids were alone. By the time the Dotson pulled into the apartment complex's parking lot, Cheryl Chapman was a nervous wreck. Paul parked directly outside the doorway leading to a common hallway. The two raced inside and didn't bother knocking on Newman's door. Cheryl had keys to her sister's apartment, but was shaking so hard that Paul had to take them from her trembling fingers to unlock the door. Cheryl called out her sister's name, but all was silent. She went into the kitchen, sat down at the table, and looked around the room. Everything appeared perfectly normal, except for a large empty cookie canister in the middle of the table, the canister in which Nancy kept her tip change. While Cheryl waited anxiously in the kitchen, her husband cautiously entered the apartment's dark hallway. Slowly, one by one, he pushed open the bedroom doors. Behind the first door was eight-year-old Melissa Newman, victim of unspeakable cruelty. In the second room was her mother, Nancy Newman, half-naked and lifeless on the bed. The third room contained the bloody remains of three-year-old Angie, Her throat slit from ear to ear. Paul was momentarily paralyzed and disoriented. Waves of nausea and shock crashed over him. It was as if his entire world tilted precariously on its axis, then spun off into a black hole of horror. Fighting to maintain his composure, Paul turned away and headed back toward the kitchen. His wife saw him coming, and the look on his face told her something was terribly wrong. Don't go down the hall, he said. They're all dead. Cheryl screamed, knocked over a chair, and tried forcing herself past him. He grabbed her, held her tight, and pushed his hysterical wife back through the living room and out the front door. On the way, he grabbed the Newman's telephone, stretching the long phone cord out the door, Paul Chapman Dialed 911. Officer Wayne Vance of the Anchorage Police Department was immediately dispatched to the Ides Street address. Upon arrival, he saw the distraught and anguished Cheryl Chapman weeping uncontrollably and wandering aimlessly in the parking lot. Her husband, clutching the telephone, guarded the apartment's front door. Vance called for backup and got out of his patrol car. Drop the phone, yelled Vance. Chapman threw it down and walked toward the flashing police lights. Vance quickly moved past him, entered the apartment, and checked the living room and kitchen to make sure no one was hiding inside. Discovering the same scenes of death and devastation as Chapman, Vance quickly exited the apartment. Within moments, the sirens of fire trucks and ambulances added their shrill screams to those of Cheryl Chapman.